Welcome to 2018, huh? Yay. I'm still frozen. I hope it doesn't stay this way. Um, I've been reading this book by Timothy Keller entitled Prayer. It's a good book. Uh, in fact, if you want to read a book on prayer, I highly recommend it. In this book, he identifies a basic dichotomy, a basic conflict uh, that uh, it tends to occur when it comes to the topic of prayer. On the one side, you have those folk who say prayers about um, experiencing God, about intimacy with God, about comfort and consolation and all those, which is good, right? But on the other side of the equation, you have a, a group of people saying, no, prayer isn't about so much my personal agenda. It's, it's about gaining the mind of God and becoming kingdom-minded and, and, and becoming part of what God is up to and, and gaining that perspective. And these two sides of prayer tend to argue a little bit. Keller says in his book, it's not either or, it's and both, right? Of course, it's and both. Um, but but they tend to be a little bit in, in conflict. Well, we're going to dive into a subject matter here, uh, 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 dealing with faith in general. And basically, when you look at faith in general, there tends to be these two sides of faith in general, too. Uh, on, one, on one side, you know, there, there's this, this understanding of personal transformation and personal well-being and becoming the person God intends me to be and all that kind of thing. It, it, it tends to be a bit in conflict, though, with this, this, this other side to our faith, which is about thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's about being kingdom-minded, about being what God is up to and, and investing our life in that direction. Well, in this series that we're embarking upon uh, for the next few weeks, it's called The Intentional Life. We're looking at thy kingdom come, thy will be done, okay? We're looking at that part of our faith in depth for a few weeks. This doesn't mean the personal side of faith, transformation and holiness and all that kind of thing is not relevant. It's definitely relevant. We're just not going to talk on it that much, okay? But here's the thing. We'll rub into it a lot anyway, because if you're going to be one who's intentional for God, intentionally interacting with culture, seeing yourself as sent, uh, you know, into whatever situation you find yourself in, then if you're going to be effective, if, you, if you're really going to do that well, you better be having what? Some personal experience, some transformation taking place. Um, because if you're not having an authentic life in Christ, it won't matter anyway. So much of life is lived without intentionality. Would you agree with me on that? Think about it. Kind of, for most people, life's like this. You pull out the gun, not, not, not necessarily a gun, you know, but just figuratively speaking, okay? You shoot at the wall, and you run over to the wall, and you draw a target around us. There, I hit the target. That's kind of how life is lived. It's unintentionally experienced. I mean, think about marriage, how people enter marriage all the time. It's not with a lot of intentionality. Well, we fell in love. What's love? Is it just, is it going to get you by as a married couple? I'm going to tell you it doesn't. Do you remember that old song, Hooked on a Feeling? Some of you probably do. Some of you remember it because Guardians of the Galaxy made it popular again. Right? We put this little cassette tape in there. I said, oh, you're speaking my language now. I'm hooked on a feeling, I'm high on believing, you know the song, right? That you're in love with me. Guardian of the galaxies, this, this is what most of culture believes when it comes to marriage, it's about feelings. Oh my goodness, feelings come and go, they're kind of like gas. <laughs> success, I shouldn't have said that, but success lies in part in marriage, in being very intentional. I had a 
coach when I was a young person for basketball that told me something that was really, really informative in the rest of my life. I remember him saying to me, pulling me aside, he said, okay, Steve, now, if you're going to maintain your basketball level skill over the summer, you need to practice shooting three times a week, you know, lengthy times, like two hours a shot. He said, that's just to maintain the level you're at right now. If you want to improve, you probably need to do it four times a week. If you want to excel five or six times a week. Marriage is like that. I tell young couples, marriage is just like that. If you're going to have a good marriage, you've got to be really intentional. You've got to three, three times a week just to maintain. I use the same principle. The coach is smart. I figure he's a smart guy. Anyway, you've got to have three significant relational interactions a week with your, 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 your mate. If you want to excel, you've got to do it about four times. If you want to really, really have a good marriage, you do it basically every day. Amen. You know, but you got to be intentional because it's, I tell you what, it's more than a feeling. I'm not believing that. All right, I'm making up my own words, but you get what I'm saying. If you want to excel at a job, you got to be intentional about development. Nobody will do it for you. You got to do it. This is kind of a a principle of success. Listen, if you want to succeed spiritually, you got to be what? Intentional. You're supposed to get that. You've got to be intentional. You can't just flounder about with passivity thinking it's just going to happen to me. Now, Jesus says to you and I, all throughout the New Testament, we're to go and live a sent once. Um, we're to be intentional about how we interact with our culture. We're supposed to do it on purpose. We're supposed to see that we're on mission for Jesus Christ. Pastor Aaron and I were talking about this, and he's a very smart guy. Would you agree with me on that? Amen. And he said something that I think is pretty succinct and right on. He said, you don't drift into health. That is so true. If you want to have literal health, you don't drift into that. It doesn't just happen. You don't munch on, oh, you can, I'm not going to go there. But you, get, you don't drift into health that way, literal health. You don't drift into emotional health. You don't drift into spiritual health. You've got to be super intentional. No one affects you like you. Amen? And we have to be about his kingdom come, his will be done. That's a mandate from Jesus Christ. The series that we're going to bark upon this morning is going to identify for us key components to living life intentionally. And you have to grapple. I want you to grapple with these components. I want you to become intentional, intentional uh, how you do your spiritual life. I can't do it for you. No one can do it for you. It can't be done to you. You have to, at some point, grab a hold of some of the things we're going to share over the next several weeks and say, this is my responsibility. And with the filling of the Holy Spirit enabling me, I will take upon myself this mandate to live my life intentionally. You know what? I call this... 167 living. Here's why I say that. There's 168 hours a week. You spend about an hour a week here, amen? I'm talking about the other 167 hours. Okay, we might go an hour and five minutes, all right? I'll give you that. But you follow what I'm saying, right? This is about the other 167 hours. 
And so this morning, as we embark upon this Intentional Life series, we're going to get at some components this morning already of what it means to live life intentionally, be on mission for Jesus Christ. You know what? We're not just saved from some things. We're saved from what? Death and hell and condemnation. Aren't we saved from those things? Amen, right? Oftentimes we think salvation and baptism. All right, I've arrived. No, that's like the starting line. We're saved for something. We're saved for an intentional life, to be part of the spiritual coming of Christ, to be part of his kingdom being built. And so we need to have a basic outlook change, I think, that transpires at some point in our Christianity, and it's this, from consumer to contributor. That has to take place. Now, it's normal and it's right to come to Jesus as a consumer. We come to him needy, desperate, sick from sin, dead in our trespasses, and we find this Christ who's made a way to God for us. If we place our faith in him, we become born again, and we begin to experience a new life and life like it should be experienced. But we come very needy. We come very consumeristic, and that's right, and that's good, but we can't stay there. Quickly, God wants us to get on board and become a contributor. But the problem we face is that our culture is consumeristic. Every aspect of it is consumeristic. You know, go, you go buy a cell phone, right? You, you go for the best plan, right? And then you're a consumer. I want the best buy for my money. You go get, say, cable TV or TV or direct TV or dish TV or whatever you get. You go for what meets your needs the most. It's consumeristic. When you're looking at a job, you just graduated from college. I remember graduating from college a long time ago. And I looked at a whole bunch of different companies I was looking at the best job, the most satisfying job for me, the best benefits, pay, right? It's called consumerism because I wanted the best job. What we do is we let that infiltrate our understanding of church. And we come here and we say, I'm a consumer. I'm the constituent. If you don't preach right, I judge you. If the music isn't what I want, it's no good. If I don't have friends or if I don't have the right group, you know, and we, can't, we bring that consumeristic view right here. And what I'm telling you is that has to stop. At some point, there has to be an aha moment where we move from a consumeristic understanding of the body of Christ to a contribution understanding of the body of Christ because God has a call in every one of our lives to be on mission with him, to be building the kingdom with him, this is what this series is going to f- focus on. Our big picture for the series is taken from the Great Commission found in um, the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. I want you to read this out loud with me. I'm going to really read it super slow for me so that you can read it, because I've been told I talk and read way too fast. So if this feels painfully slow to me or to you, don't, don't tell me that. Here we go. Let's read this out loud together. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So here's our big thought from this scripture. And I'm going to put it like you were saying it. I am to go. Amen? I am to go. I am to live as a sent one, being part 
of the transformation process, being part of the kingdom coming, thy will be done. Now, I know that even as I talk like this, it makes some of us nervous. I'm just going to tell you, stick with me for a few weeks. This will all make sense. It will all make sense. And maybe it's not as hard as we think it is. For instance, next week I'm going to talk about proximity and this idea of proximity. God has put you in a certain place. And when I use the word proximity, I mean you're, you're near those, uh, some folks, you're near some folks in terms of time and space and relationship. What, what I'm saying to you is you have to begin to adopt the mindset that I'm a sent one to the proximity that I find myself in. That I, I have this mandate to take Christ to my workplace, to my family, to my friends, to my neighborhood, or whatever. It's not as hard as we think. It just be, you have to become very intentional in seeing yourself as a sent one. The rest of this morning, what I want to do is explain to you some key components that I think are essential to embrace if we want to really understand what it means to be sent by Jesus Christ. Next week, then, I'm going to talk with you on this idea of becoming aware uh, of where you are, this proximity message, okay? And what I really want you to grab a hold of this morning is one word, intentional, intentional. I will be intentional, intentional, amen? I will be intentional about following Jesus Christ. See, we need to own it. You are part of God's plan for his kingdom advancement, and you must begin to intentionally see the opportunities that God is laying before you that oftentimes we just don't see because we're not intentional and we're not aware. So let's talk about some key components to being sent and going. And I'm going to use Matthew chapter 10 because Jesus sends out his disciples in this chapter and he gives us some really illuminating instructions about what it means to be a sent one and to go. So uh, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples together in Matthew 10, and he says, I'm going to send you out, and then he gives them some instructions. So let's look at those instructions this morning and just pull out a few points of what it means to be sent. That's all I want to accomplish today, okay? So in Matthew 10, we see Jesus tell these 12 disciples, now go only to the lost tribes of Israel, basically. In other words, go only to what? Your proximity, your neighborhood, the place that you know. And here's what you to do. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 9 now, Matthew 10. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirts or sandals for, or staff, for the worker is worthy of his keep. In other words, what Christ is saying, if you're going to be a sent one, and if you're going to go in my name, you have to go with dependency. You have to go with dependency on me. That is one of the key concepts if we're going to be effective for the kingdom of God is we have to become very dependent on God. You and I are naturally very independent. We really are. I don't know about you, but my own personal model is, motto is, I got this, I can handle this. How about you? And Jesus is saying, you don't got this and you can't handle this. If we're going to become sent ones and begin to really interact intentionally with our culture in a way that would please Jesus, we have to become very dependent on him. So let me ask you this question. Do you have some misplaced dependency today? What are you depending on? I just want you to think on that. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 11 of Matthew 10. Jesus gives some further instructions to sent ones, ones that are to go. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. 
and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust, shake the dust off your feet. To the I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. So what he's saying here, if you're going to live intentionally for me, if you're going to be part of my kingdom come, my will be done, go to the receptive. Go to the receptive. We're always going to bump into situations and people that are not very open to Jesus. But if you begin to see yourself as a sent one from God, seeking to do God's will wherever you find yourself at, I think there are receptive folk all around. What do you think? And we need to begin to see them and intentionally interact with the receptive. we got to become intentional that way. So let me ask you this question. Who in proximity to you is receptive to Jesus? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Who in proximity to you? In other words, who in nearness to you in time and space and relationship is receptive to Christ? Begin to pray for that person. Begin to interact with that person as you're given the opportunity. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 16 for more instruction. Listen to what Jesus says here. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So in other words, we have to become people who trust that the Holy Spirit will speak through us, will speak through you. Amen? That's what Jesus is saying. He said, understand, God will speak through you. Years ago, when I worked at 3M in Knoxville, Iowa, it was a long day of work, and I was out back in what we call the boneyard of the plant with uh, the pipe fitter foreman, um, Jim from Winger. And I asked Jim if he wouldn't mind giving me a ride from the back of the plant. It was a big place to the front because it was like 5.30 at night, and I just was ready to go home. And so I get in the truck with, with, with Jim, and it was almost like an audible thing happened to me. It was like the Lord Jesus said, share with Jim right now your faith. It was just like, boom, you know how that happens? And you're just kind of like, I wasn't even ready for it. I wasn't even thinking that way. And I thought, well, it's after hours, and, you know, we're just in this truck. I guess, you know, this is okay. And I remember I just launched into, to, I just shared with Jim my faith so super openly. And, you know, it was just kind of, cause, cause it's kind of, kind of like blindsided. And Jim, at the, at, after I got done sharing with him, we talked for about 10 minutes. He said, my sister said exactly the same thing to me yesterday. And I said, well, all I can say is, God's after your heart, Jim. You know, and it was just because I was so kind of cold-cocked and blindsided that I just reacted that way. It reminds me of another story. Uh, when I lived in Pella, Iowa, it was at the same time I worked at Knoxville, Iowa, we got into hot air balloon launching, um, little balloons with fire that they would launch, you know, and then they got bigger and bigger, and I found out later on in my life that when you get them big enough, they see them at the airport in the radar system, and that's not a good thing to do. Anyway, I got into launching these hot air balloons, and one time I launched one, and, and my neighbor, Dale Denoy, really was getting into this, and he said, let's launch it again. And they go, oh, I don't know. I don't want to launch it from 
you know, in, in the inside town like this because what if it comes down on a house or something, right? Because there's fire in it. And it made me nervous. And he, can he kind of begged me? And I said, oh, okay, we'll launch one. What can it hurt, right? So we launched this hot air balloon, and it's about 6 o'clock at night. And I remember it starts taking off, and Dale got super excited. There it goes. And I remember thinking, no, oh, no, it's not going. It's coming down. And I said, quick, Dale, get in the car, because I didn't know where this thing was going to land. So we drive, and we fall in this balloon, and it lands right in the backyard of this house in their tree. It was like an apple tree or something. And it was late in the fall. It was kind of cool. And it's burning like crazy. And you know, I'm a little bit of a manipulator. I'm going to be honest. I thought, Dale, you wanted me to do this. Now you've got to suffer the consequences. So we're driving up. And before Dale could think, I said, quick, Dale, get out there and get that balloon. And he did without giving it a thought. He jumped out of the car and starts running to the tree to pull it out. And then I look in the, at the house. And there sits the family around their dinner table. And they're all staring at us. And then I rolled down the window. I said, faster, Dale, faster. You know? And he grabbed that balloon, and I waved at the people like we did this on purpose, you know, and we got out of there. Um, <laughs> that's how I felt with Jim that day. I felt like God just kind of cold-cocked me. His spirit just moved on me and said, do this. And before I could react or think, I just did it. And I think, you know what? And this is a challenge I want to leave you with this morning on this point. If you live in intentionally as a set one, just expect the Lord to divinely anoint you at times. Just expect that to be something that happens. Why wouldn't he do that? Let's move on in the instructions of Jesus. This next part gets detailed and interesting, but I'm going to just jump down to verse 28. There's a lot of scripture behind me, but we're going to jump to verse 28 because that gets at the essence of what I want to share with you. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, Jesus said, but rather kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my father in heaven. So here is our last piece of instruction that, that, that we're going to take away from Jesus here and being a set one. Do not fear. Do not fear. Rather, acknowledge God and what he is about. So we as followers of, of Jesus aren't to, fear, aren't to be fearful. Now, I'm going to ask you a direct question. Are you fearful of people? I, I often tell people, when it comes to being a Christ follower and sharing your faith, begin with not hiding it. Follow what I'm saying? Just live it out loud. Live it without any shame or any apology. Be intentionally living for Jesus. Be intentionally, you know, giving open credit uh, uh, to the Lord. And don't let fear rule you as a follower. So let me ask you this as a question. What would that look like in your life if you actually just did that? Just live without any shame, without any fear, and just lived openly for Jesus Christ. That's probably a good starting point of being intentional, amen? Intentionally interacting with the world. There are some final instructions that Jesus gives, and I just want to talk on these and give a summary here. Um, 
He says this in verse 37 of Matthew 10. Anyone who loves her father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves her son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds her life will lose it, and whoever loses her life for my sake will find it. So here's our summary of the message this morning. Jesus and his mission of ushering the kingdom of God in must be our priority. Just must be our priority. Now, he does a comparative thing. It doesn't mean you don't love your son or your daughter. You don't love your mate. You don't love your mom or dad. What he's saying is, in comparison to me, love me most. Make me the priority of your life. When he says, take up your cross and follow me, basically he's saying, take up the mission I have for your life. Take up the mandate I have for your life. Do what I tell you to do. Be on mission for me. He says, because, and then he does Jesus math. Because if you try to keep your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose your life in me, you'll gain your life. I call that Jesus math. And we have to do Jesus math here. We have to gain our life in him. So what does it mean to be a sent person? Get this perspective. Sundays like this, they're catalytic moments. We come together. We, we you know, sing and praise God together. We have this encounter. We have this moment of, of, of growing in grace. We have giving a grace to one another, and it's good, and it's great, but what about the 167 other hours of the week, amen? We have to begin to live intentional, that, that this moment is for you to be intentional in those moments. You and I are called the 167 living. You have to own your faith. You have to own the teaching so much of Jesus that you actually, actually live it out. Sometimes I think a lot of the reason we have shallow Christianity is because there's this passivity. We think it's just done to us. There's this consumeristic view. There's a lack of owning our own spiritual uh, growth and, and development. Be intentional, okay? Let that become an operative word in your vocabulary as a Christ follower. Be intentional. I heard it said this last week in a podcast that two basic needs of people are to be known and to be needed. In Jesus, we're known, aren't we? And in Jesus, he says you're needed. You're part of my building of the kingdom. These are two basic needs we all have as people, don't we? And they're met when we truly take up the cross Jesus has for us and live out the life he's called us to live out.